Now go ahead and talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome to another fantastic edition of Word Bros. I'm Kevin Cotton. I'm Bob Franz. Kevin, who's our guest today? Justin Richards. That's who our guest is. They have a fantastic book on Kickstarter right now. And Kevin, what's that book called? Oh, everything... Is different um, now. Is it? Yep, it's everything is different now. As right of this minute, it's different. Yes, everything is different now. Because when we were recording the outro, I couldn't remember the name of it. Then we do it the intro, and Kevin can't remember. So everything is different now. Everything's way different. Yeah, and, so it's and, awesome. And finger guns for you. Oh, yeah. great see? book. And see, Justin see. is the uh, is the author of Finger Guns. Really cool, really cool person. We're very excited to have him on. So let's talk to Justin right now. Justin, what's up? What is up? What's up? What's up? That's all you got? I hit record and now you're you're, you're quiet oh, as a I church was... mouse on me? <laughs> I wasn't sure. Uh, <laughs> what is up? I'm I'm not much. I'm here. I'm stoked to be on with you guys and, and talk about some comics and stuff. Yeah, buddy. Now, Justin, Justin asked uh, in the pre-interview, like, do you guys have any questions? And I was like, no, nah, we just kind of talk. <laughs> so, like, if 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 we're unprepared, that's our fault. So you're going to be great. You're going to do a great job. We, <laughs> we, we got this, Justin. We've been doing this a long time. I feel like we're going to get you over the line, dude. So don't worry about it. <laughs> awesome. Now, do I you feel, feel like I'm in good hands. Now, do you feel more comfortable with, like, a list of questions that you can prepare for? Are you okay with going off the cuff? No, I do. I used to do uh, comic reviews and interviews on YouTube. And really? So, and I, I always went off the cuff, too. It's it's more fun that way. Who was the biggest um, comic creator you ever interviewed during your podcasting career? Uh, it depends on if you're talking like classic or current. Currently, I would say Donnie Cates. Whoa, you, how'd, you, how'd you get Donnie Cates? Nice. I was I was a super early fanboy before he went to Marvel, and so we hit it off and we're kind of buds. And so yeah, he actually came on my show like four times. Damn, that's pretty nice. cool. So, that's great. So you're it's safe to say that you knew Donnie bef- way before he became like the superstar hot shit dude that he is now. Yeah, yeah, by like a couple years. That's awesome. So how did you discover his work? Uh, just by doing the reviews on YouTube, like our. Uh, our niche that we kind of went for was like covering smaller press books. So stuff from like heavy metal and like uh, scout and even like we covered vaults earliest stuff and same with aftershock and all that. So that's cool. He was, he was doing books with all those people and they were all really rad. So I just caught on early and 
was like, yo, your stuff's dope. And then we just got to talking. That's pretty neat. So That's then awesome. who, who's the most classic person you've talked to then? Probably Howard Chaikin. Oh, oh. we've we, uh, Kevin wants to get Chaikin on this podcast. We just haven't gotten around to it. How was Chaikin? He's a character. He's <laughs> he he'll keep you on your toes too. And like he need like the way his schedule worked, we had to do it at like seven in the morning. So I was super tired. And he talks a lot, and he's yeah, he's hard to keep up with sometimes. He's a little intimidating. I won't lie. I can see that. I can see Chaykin yeah. being intimidating. Kevin's had more interactions with Chaykin than I had, but Kevin swears by him. He's a he's a super smart guy. Um, he he's very intelligent and well read, and um, he's he's always uh, got something interesting to say. At least, yeah, that's the exact vibe I would say. Is like, you know, I don't always love everything that he's written, or but. Uh, He's definitely an interesting person in the character. No, and like no one saying, knows more show tunes than Howard Chaikin. Really? In, in all of comics. <laughs> I would I would place this bet right now on this podcast. So if you know someone who knows more show tunes than Howard Chaikin, I point them out. Like, there there it is. There's your open invite I've, on I've Twitter. Never, I've never been much of a show tunes guy. Like, there are a few musicals <laughs> I do enjoy, um, but I've never, I can't, like, just sit down and listen to a bunch of show tunes. Like, that's not my jam. I mean, same. Same. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but he was talking about musicals and like, and asking if I had, have you seen this musical? And I was I like, like, no, I'm not a big fan of musicals. And, and he was not, he was definitely, um, he, he was scathing about that. Now, Justin, yep. you said you're not a musical theater guy. How many musicals do you think you've seen in your whole life? Like in person or just, or just like in general, like movies or fucking high school yeah. presentations. Uh, you know, probably just the classics mostly. Um, you know, I sought out a couple of like, like I remember when they did. Um, remember Green Day did a Broadway show for. Oh, their, that's right. Yeah. Uh, American Idiot album, which I love that album, and so yeah, I was like, I scoured YouTube to like find clips of that one and stuff. That's cool. Nice. But uh, otherwise, yeah, like you know, you see the classics here and there, like Lame as a Rob and grease and the like but not a whole lot otherwise see i've never say that i'm cultured in it i've never seen lemmis i've seen cabaret which i very much enjoyed of course i've seen hamilton because i have a daughter who's obsessed with it um i've seen greece you never saw greece i saw greece yeah. Oh, you said Greece. Okay, cool. Because because yeah. Olivia Newton John just passed away. So I was, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sad. That is sad. Yeah, she died. She's seventy three. Only seventy. I didn't realize she was that. I didn't realize she was up there like that far in age. That's See, crazy. I th- I thought she was much younger than seventy. So did I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when yeah. you say seventy three, it doesn't like really register that like because like the last picture I saw of her, she looked really great. She looked like she was in her fifties. Yeah, I that guess was, I guess she was the oldest cast member of Greece. <laughs> Oh, ah, something okay. like that. So I don't know who the hell knows. Well, John Travolta aged much worse. Oh yeah, that's that's got to be Scientology. <laughs> that's all. That's all I can chalk it up. L. Ron to. Hubbard takes its its tone, uh, its toll, his uh, or maybe, toll on you. Maybe maybe what yeah. happened was Tom Cruise sucked all of his life force out, and that's why Tom Cruise is still so young and violent. Ah, uh, like he yeah, basically yeah. Scientology is a ruse for like Tom Cruise to put people in a chair and like they turn like the switch and it sucks your life force out, and then he goes to like Oprah Winfrey and jumps on couches and shit. 
something like that. Okay. This is this is a comic. We're gonna get sued. I know that we're getting sued. <laughs> I might not even put this episode. I might edit all that out. No. To, to ensure people nope. can hear Justin's message for his <laughs> for his Kickstarter. Is it about Scientology, Justin? It's not specifically about it. <laughs> it's just. Well, I mean, it's a book of shorts. Stuff. I don't see yeah, why nice. you couldn't do a short about Scientology right now, right? I, absolutely. That's the best. I'm answer. taking notes right now. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome, Justin. <laughs> You'll get a special thank you on the next one. I'll take that, dude. I'll take I mean, that. It, we're down for whatever when it comes to stuff like that. Thank you. So tell us about the Kickstarter. You've got a. This is a collection of. This is like an anthology of one, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a way. You know, some could argue that I'm being. Like I'm showboating or something. I don't know because I hogged a whole entire mini anthology to myself. But that's essentially what it is. is It's a collection of shorts um, between one and four pages. So I kept everything really low, uh, both kind of as a challenge and also to keep the book within reason and so that I could get artists to be able to have time to do it. Well, I mean, that makes sense because um, the, the, we've always thought about doing an anthology with other people, but the challenge of it is you got to make sure everybody gets their shit done. So with you doing the anthology by yourself, if, if it doesn't get done, only you're to blame. <laughs> yeah. And and we've, we kind of did that concept when we did Ninja Nuns too. So it was kind of like what we were doing there was, was we wrote, we each wrote a story. Um, cause Chaz, our editors are writers too. So he wrote a story. We each wrote one and then we all edited each other stuff, which was nice. fun. It was just to do it for fun. So did you, did you do something like that? Or did you just find artists that you thought were like, these artists are awesome and I'd love to work with them on something, but let's try something smaller just to see if it'll work out. Is that how that was? Yeah. More like the latter where. Um, I did bring, this is the first one I've done of these that I brought an editor on. Um, I'm working with Michelle Abinator. <clears throat> um, and she's great. Michelle's been awesome from the get-go and just, like, really been somebody that I could, like, bounce ideas off of. And, you know, when I think of something, I can go, is this complete shit or is it something? And she, <laughs> she can confirm or deny. Um, and then from there, yeah, I was just picking out artists that I'm kind of friends with that, I've wanted to work with for a long time and just seeing if they had time to do one to three pages. That's awesome. Now, when you asked, did you, were you surprised that you got yeses? Was there anybody who surprised you with a yes? Uh, Chris Sheehan. I've Ooh, been he's good. Work, yeah. I've been wanting to work with them for a long time and they're always busy. And so I was like, yo, two pages. Can you do two pages? And they were like, it's going to be tight, but let me try. And then, yeah, we got it to work. So that one was really cool. Nice. That's awesome. That's great. It's nice when things like that work out. You know, when you get the two pager from the, the artist you really want to do something with. Because comics is, as as you know, and I'm sure the listener might not, but it's such a – I always tell people when they're starting out, it's it's easier to get an artist to commit to a shorter project. Definitely. That's kind of where this is almost me showing that lesson of just like, you know, I've tried to do a full OGN with an artist and I've done various amounts of shorts and tried to do pitches and, you know, things just move so slow 
and everybody's so busy that a lot of times it's just easier to do something like this and just get somebody to do a couple pages at a time. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great it's a great idea, man. It's very smart. Um, your Kickstarter is currently up right now. The book is called Everything is Different Now. Everything is Different Now is a rage, capital R-A-G-E, filled <laughs> collection of short comics written by Justin Richards. I- I'm just going to say this, speaking to you in this limited amount, we've been talking now for about 15 minutes. You don't seem like a very rage-filled guy. Um, what pushes your buttons? What gets you going? Uh, the world, you know. it's it's a lot of that uh you know it's there's been other stuff you know as you get older and then you learn more and more about yourself and relationships fall off and you form new ones and you learn new things and you learn unlearn things that you learned when you were a kid and the way that i've been wording it for this one is this is kind of my response to like when i look around the world and nothing is the way that i thought it would be when I was a kid, like the way that they told me it would be, you know, there's no white picket fence. There's no, nobody can afford a damn house. The economy sucks. Racism is still probably more prevalent than it's ever been in my life. And, you know, everything else going on on that, on the political spectrum, there's just, there's quite a bit to be enraged about really. I mean, you're not wrong, (laughs) but do you find, how do I word? Do you find that you're happier or that you can put yourself in a happier state of mind when you try to block those things out and just like live your mundane life? Or are you just always that guy that's, you know, ready to jump red at, at anything? No, I'm pretty chill. I'm, I'm quite a stoner. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty chill. Most of the time I do, you know, I, there, I have days, of course, like we all do, where, you know, just whatever is scratching at the back of your head to, that's pissing you off for that day gets at you. Uh, that's where, like, cool music comes in and stuff like that. So, t- so give us an example. What's some cool music then? Like, are you talking to hype you up or to bring you down? How about we do both? What's something that hypes you up? What's something that brings you down? Uh, well for like hyping me up like i love i'm a big metalhead and like i'll highlight the easy answer which is the song that inspired the title of this book actually uh which is called um somewhat damaged by nine inch nails Ah, okay Um, it's Mm -hmm. it's a very ragey track and yeah there's a set of lyrics in it that say uh, how could I ever think it's funny how everything you swore would never change is different now? So that's kind of where I drew that inspiration. That's fun. Nice. nice. All, right. All right. And then what would bring you down? Like, what's your, like, you're going to cool out and kind of chill kind of vibe? Uh, probably, like, if I'm really just trying to, like, chill and, like, not think about the world or anything like that, then probably something like... I like a good Jack Johnson song from time to time. <laughs> not, there's nothing wrong with that. Or uh, that's a great answer. Yeah, he's super, you know, relaxing. And or like Cypress Hill, if I'm if I'm getting down with a bowl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> my, 
like if I'm getting so cool, dude, like I'm so into this. Um, my wife, my wife loves Jack Johnson. I I thought more than any human being in the entire world. Like if I wake up, if my wife wakes up first and I rise to get my morning coffee and she's in the kitchen making pancakes, listening to Jack Johnson, I know I'm going to have a very good Saturday. Like, I just know my Saturday is going to be like, okay, I got no, not everything's going to be perfect this, this, this day. I, I saw him live once. He was great. Really? Yeah. That's interesting because I I make fun of my wife for liking Jack Johnson because it all it all just kind of seems like one song. I mean, it's a good yeah. song, but it's kind of one song, right? It's definitely one note ish. Like you know, it, you got to do it in take it in strides. But like the concert itself was so like it was the chillest concert I've ever been to. Like everybody just like relaxed on blankets and laid down and. <laughs> Listen to it. Like, yeah, so, like he that motherfucker was selling. It's like pillows. the opposite of Lollapalooza. It's like the opposite. Right? Yeah, it's like the the exact opposite of like any mosh pit. That sounds awesome. Like just let's get this. They have a nap section. <laughs> But you need that. Like, you need that. My kids would make fun of me because every morning during the pandemic, I would wake up and I would play Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. They have these records that they did together called like Ella and Louis again or Ella and Louis. And I would turn it on every day. And my daughter would be like, why do we listen to this every morning? And I said, because it's impossible to be in a bad mood if you're listening to Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. Like, you just can't. You can't turn that that smile upside down if you're listening to something like that. it just puts you in a good it's a good way to start your day yeah music is great that way you know it's transformative yeah jack johnson huh that's awesome that's, that's crazy um now what's so, your favorite jack johnson song then kevin you can go what's your favorite no no, jack no. Johnson there's song? only one song bob no but i mean there's they have different titles he just breaks them up like he just stops <laughs> playing and then like all right well start playing that same song again i'm just gonna call it something different <laughs> I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I guess the, there's the Better Together one. It's one that probably comes on the playlist. The yeah, most. that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my wife, like, what's that one? Uh, sticking it together, but call the bad one. That was that that one? No. What's that one? So. It's like, uh, God, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm and then my wife at, likes like, recalling lyrics. At the, the, and then my wife likes the banana pancakes one. Yeah, that's that's the popular one from his early days. Yeah, he got banana pancakes. I'd be making banana pancakes. I mean, See, you can't you can't be mad then. Because yeah, because I mean, everybody fucking loves banana pancakes. I mean, I, unless you I, hate I, bananas, I hate bananas. See, yeah. you, you don't like so so then if you don't like banana pancakes, Justin, what's your favorite kind of pancake? Oh, that's a good uh, question. Chocolate chip or uh, bacon? Like bacon? Bacon pancakes? Yeah. Oh, so he's like an Adventure Time. Yeah. I mean, Ju- Justin, you're like a, uh, they're like an Adventure Time person. Like, you know, he's good, yeah. making bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. I've never had bacon pancakes. Explain this to me. How do you do this? <clears throat> you just get, like, you basically cut up dry, like, get crispy bacon is, be- is best and, like, cut it up into bacon bits and then sprinkle it in the batter when you're cooking it. Really? That sounds I'm- interesting. I think Good. that that's the kind of pancakes that you need to have, Bob. Like then, then your morning will be even better. I'm not. I'm not. I'm laying off pancakes because I'm not eating food with added sugar in it. But that does sound <laughs> kind of fun. It's weird, man. Like seriously, I stopped eating food with added sugar, and my face cleared up too. Wow. Like I used to have this like whole like acne thing going on up here in my forehead that I had to take medicine for, and then I stopped eating added sugar foods, and that shit went away. 
Nice. Congrats. Thanks, dude. I mean, I'm still, I still have rosacea. I've gotten really bad skin in my old age, which is dumb, but whatever. <laughs> We're not talking about my dumb face. We're talking about your book. <laughs> Kevin, what was your question? I was going to say, uh, Justin, is, is this, is this your first time on Kickstarter? Uh, no, it's Ooh. my third, I guess. Ah, what, what lessons has Kickstarter taught you that you would like to pass on to others? Cause I feel like this is a good topic of discussion for younger creators and, and reasons why we do this podcast. Totally. Um, one thing that I've learned early on, like I was super obsessed with getting everything done super early and on time. And, and like, there's, you learn kind of where you can get away with some stuff where you don't have to stress about something until closer to the campaign launch. And that includes like the pre-launch follower count. I think that that is not something that anyone should focus on to be honest. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because every time that I ever have done one, it's, I get like a max of maybe 30% conversion rate. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the followers come whether or not you have them pre-follow, like before the campaign launches, or or after. Like I think even this campaign, which you know is my most experienced one, I think I only had like twenty followers or so when we launched, and I'm up to a hundred now, I think, or eighty something at least. Last yeah. time I looked, so the followers, the that like the people who want to be notified, they'll come whenever they come you know it's not something you need to stress about and i would say hire an editor if you can uh a kickstarter editor or a book editor a, like uh a book editor yeah definitely yeah, yeah. uh if it's somebody that wants to do both then great like michelle has been super helpful on helping me make decisions for the campaign and doing our rewards together and stuff like that so there's That's a little bit of crossover that's cool. I dig that. Um, yeah, because Kickstarter is one of those things that every time you feel like you got it figured out, then it just, everything changes. It changes. And then you're just yeah. like, oh, shit. Yeah, definitely. Just, just this, your, the title of your book totally fits to the Kickstarter landscape. <laughs> you're not wrong. Well, well I mean, I, I feel like uh, Kevin and I have had this conversation internally and I'm by I mean just the two of us. I don't know why I made it sound fancier than I said internally. Mm -hmm. But we've had this conversation uh, together that I think Kickstarter works better the more you're on the platform. Yeah, I would say so. Like the more you're doing it, the more you're doing it, and then the more people see you there, and then more people will buy your books, and then you can make thousands upon thousands of dollars, right? Potentially, it's definitely a hard game, but I yeah I think. The more that you do, then people who back campaigns on there will follow people who they like the campaigns of. So as long as you're delivering your product when you say you will and at a good quality and all that good stuff, then, yeah, you should be able to build up a decent following. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what made you turn from reviewer and, and um, podcaster like slash YouTube uh, personality to um comic creator what was what was the turning point for you what made you want to do one over the other just constantly getting inspired by other books that i would read and other times you know thinking of like i found myself thinking a lot like man i would i would do this if i was writing this or something you know like 
I just got really into the idea of, of telling stories and I love indie comics and I kind of by doing the interviews I was able to figure out how it's kind of done mm-hmm. and shot my shot and got lucky to be honest <laughs> so you're so you basically like reverse engineered it <laughs> <laughs> in a way that's awesome and then I mean you clearly did it with success because I mean you had a book out with vault uh figure guns right was the was was that your first book that you did yeah yeah that was my first pitch first book so you're you're that's... one for one yeah well, that's, well, that's unheard of in comics. What are you, yeah, that's what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. That's why I say I got lucky. I know lots of lots of talented writers who have been pitching for five years, not gotten a book. So I was very blessed and lucky to get my shot. Now, I don't know. Again, we've only been talking for like half an hour. But when you said the word blessed, I feel like my mom forced you to say that. Like that doesn't, <laughs> is, that, is that a term you use a lot? You don't seem like a blessed guy. I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't tweet hashtag blessed or anything like that. <laughs> I'm going to tweet it when this, when this airs. The, <laughs> it would say hashtag blessed. Uh, we, we, we had Justin on and, and they were incredible. Hashtag blessed. There's a, there's a certain group of people that use the term blessed and I never find myself being one of them and I don't know why. Like it's just not my thing, you know? It, it doesn't yeah, feel right. It doesn't I feel would, right. It's not a common term I use, and the only person that I do know that uses it is my mom. That's so. what I'm saying. That's what your mom's be saying, right? Yeah. I I'm guess just, it's I'm just blessed. It's really because of I can't think of a better word to describe how that situation went with I literally went with my first pitch to my first publisher and they said yes. And it was you know just what that, wild. Nah, Justin, what that means that means you're talented, son. That ain't blessed. That's talent, baby. I like to think that, you know, <laughs> blessed makes it sound like you fucking you sat you just... that, you, you hopped on your knees before you went to bed and oh. like but, Charlie but Brown or some shit or one of the righteous gemstones is that the yeah. HBO thing? Yes, <laughs> Danny McBride yeah. like you're Danny McBride and you were like I need to be healed give me my comic please Lord and you like <laughs> bent down and then the light shined on you and and vault delivered it was like oh. However, people get their contracts, you know. <laughs> now, if you were and now if you were going to be blessed, what God would be blessing you? That's actually a, a a big theme in the book, to be honest. Really? Okay. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, I I grew up in a religious family. I grew up in in Idaho, so very oh, wow. rural. Yeah, uh, right wing views all over the place, and you know, guns everywhere, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was kind of my default as I, you know, left school and stuff. And it's been a long journey to, and a big change over recent years. And like, that's where my relationship with my father has kind of gone downhill. And uh, my relationship with faith has gone a completely different direction than what I ever thought it would. And, yeah, it's all a journey that I'm kind of even still on, but it's definitely led me to different places. Interesting. Now, like, now, now, do you think their relationship with your father is like repairable, or is that, or like, do you guys just kind of talk on a surface level and you don't really get into any of the deeper things than that? It's actually been about a year and a half since we spoke. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Uh, you know, 
I know it happens and it's, it's, you know, part of changing and growing up and discovering who you are and things like that. So it's, it is what it is. And, you know, you kind of learn how to deal with it. And, mm. it's, and sometimes that means writing a comic book about it. <laughs> well, it's, it's good that you found an outlet for that, that I, I don't want to say emotion. Pain. Yes, emotion. that emotion. Thank you, Kevin. Um, it's, it's, it's good that you found an outlet for that because some people never do and it just eats them up inside. So you found writing the book kind of therapeutic? Absolutely. It's been very cathartic. Um, I've managed to do that with most of the work that I've gotten out into the world. I did another Kickstarter called A Silent Night that was about depression and anxiety. And I was able to partner with like a, a cool charity called the uh, Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And I did, I wrote a silent story and some poetry and a few other cool activity type things. And people really dug it and came out and supported it. And that's awesome. That was super cathartic and really nice piece to do. Yeah, yeah look, I mean, that's putting some good out into the world too. Like, don't, don't, don't sell yourself short there. I, I'm sure that helped some people. Definitely, that's something that I aim to do with, like, you know, my tag on everything online is emo comic writer, and I always tell people like that's for emotional writer. You know, that's what I'm trying to do is like to quote Tenacious D to use my power to move you. <laughs> I just thought you were a dude that was super to like My Chemical Romance and Thursday and shit. I mean, I'm not against MCR on any day. You know what? I will say there was a long time in my life where I didn't care you about were. my chemical romance at all. Like, and I worked in commercial radio when they were huge. Like when they were at oh, the yeah. peak of their powers, I was on a, a modern rock station and we fucking played my chemical romance like once an hour on the hour. And I've, I heard black parade a million times and I could have seen them live in concert at like these small venues. And I didn't go. Cause I was like, man, fuck that band. But now that I'm all old and shit, I love my chemical romance. It's just the weirdest thing in the whole wide world. I was it even is. telling my daughter, I was like, dude, because my daughter's 11 and she's getting into like, she's getting into old music. Like the way I got into old music when I was her age, like I listen to the Beatles and Zeppelin and Hendrix. Now my daughter's listening to like Oasis and Rage Against the Machine. And I'm like, yeah. I'm Sophie. You, you got to check out my chemical romance. Did you love them? Yeah. <laughs> but I feel so like it's the it's worst. It's going to totally fuck you up, but yeah. you're going to love it. <laughs> but I mean, like she's, she fell into Oasis really hard. Um, She's listening. She's listening to Rage Against the Machine right now because there's something that's just evergreen about killing in the name of. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know that last bit of the song where it's just "fuck you." I mean that that's evergreen. Like every generation of kid wants that song. You know. Oh, yeah. So yeah. as soon as I played it, I was like, "We're never turning back." <laughs> like now, this, yeah, you pass the point of no return now. Yeah, this is it. You know. Yep. Yeah, I love. Uh, I love Rage Against the Machine. There's a reference to them on the back cover of this book. Nice. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. What's your favorite Rage song, if you had to pick one? It's hard because there's so many good ones. It's probably uh-huh. a tie between Testify and Gorilla Radio. Okay. I'm going to say Know Your Enemy. Know Your Enemy is really good. That's a great one. Um, I mean, it's hard to not say. Oh, the first Rage song I ever heard was, did I go, did I freeze? I froze. Froze. I can hear you. We can still okay, hear you. It's though. fine. The first Rage Against the Machine song I ever heard was Freedom, so I really like that one. Mm. Uh, that that one has a special nice. place in my heart. But I love the um the cover, uh the Bruce Springsteen cover. What the Ghost of Tom, Ghost of Tom Jode? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great song. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and the Springsteen song is great too. So yeah. weirdly enough, like can't go wrong with Springsteen. I mean, um, I didn't really like Bruce Springsteen until my cousin, who is uh, way older, um, and is te- technically my mom's cousin. So I guess that would be my like second cousin or whatever. My mom's cousin. Okay. He was is technically my mom's age. Um, at my mom's funeral, like gave me a bunch of Bruce Springsteen songs to listen to on a piece of paper. He just wrote them down. That's like, cool. This will help you get through this. Like, I know you're hurting. So, and I was like, well, Bree Springsteen, like, I'm not going to. And then I listened to the songs. And then dancing, I was like, it was just dancing I was like, in the Damn. dark over and over. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was weird songs, actually. Um, the, the ones you don't ever hear. And I ended up really liking a bunch of them. So it's Dude, really Nebraska is a great record. Yeah, it, like, I mean, he's actually a, an awesome songwriter, and like, yeah, Bruce Springsteen's amazing. Captures moments very well. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. there's this lady that I used to work with at the radio station, and she loved Bruce Springsteen. She'd seen him in concert like eighty times, like some fucking ridiculous number. And like wow. she says, he plays for like four or five hours. Oh wow! Like he just plays. She said it was better when he was younger because obviously, you know, yeah, he would like, move. Yeah, he would play. He would play for like fucking four or five hours just the boss yeah that's like i just saw grand funk railroad like two years ago and they ruled but yeah like a lot slower paced and a lot you know like uh mark the lead singer he didn't even play guitar hardly at all like they had a fourth member like a younger guy to do all the solos and stuff and i was like that's cool i understand (laughs) so like are you a big are you a big grand funk railroad fan dude i like yeah, like I, I don't have like every album or anything, but I've definitely listened to a lot of it. I mean, there's like the grand, f- there's nothing wrong with Grand Funk. Dude. No, but he could have said something no. really awful, like Dave Matthews Band. Like, <laughs> but I mean, if you listen to Jack Johnson, they they're so they're neighbors, right? Like, those are they- those are. Grand Funk is way way cooler than Jack Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean. I, all right, I mean, I'll give you that. Great. I mean, it's because the name is cooler to me. We're fucking Grand Funk Railroad. Like, what an awesome name, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You can't go wrong with that name. Yeah, and like he, you're not, I, you're not, I you're not going to be drummers. Their drummer's name, but he still fucking tore it up. He wore gloves the whole time, like these white fuzzy gloves that like glowed in the spotlight when That's he awesome. did like he did like a five minute drum solo in it. Holy ripped. shit! Yeah, I was like, damn, you go. That's awesome. What we've learned from this podcast is you need to back this book. Everything is different now, and you need to go listen to some Grand Funk. Hell yeah. I mean, right. He said hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Justin said hell yeah. I had, I, Justin, I gotta be honest with you. I didn't know what this interview was going to be when we when we agreed to do it, but I'm really happy that this is this has worked out, man. Like, you seem like a real chill dude. Like, you like cool tunes. You smoke dope. Like, you're just a, you're just a chill dude. That's me. The emo comic emo comic writer That's it. yeah i i uh like on everything uh gaming wise i'm like i call myself that emo dude that's just me <laughs> this is really great man like this is a really fun time I, i'm really interested in this the whole interview now like if i if if i back this book can i get finger guns is that a is that a pledge reward or not because i read finger guns and i gotta tell you I, li- I really liked it thank you i appreciate that uh and yeah there's one tier that I believe I named it All the Rage and More, and it gets you a Silent Night, my old uh, Kickstarter, and a trade copy of uh, Finger Guns. There and you I'll go. Sign, nice. I'll sign all of it. Nice. Yeah, because Finger Guns was really good, man. I dug that. 
thanks. I'm really, really proud of that book. I can see why. Now, now I don't want to go back to it, but like in in Finger Guns, there was like a rocky relationship between one of the characters and their their parents. Was that something that you kind of wrote from experience in dealing with your dad, or did that happen later? Uh, it's not all my dad, but it is definitely both of the kids have troubled home lives in different ways, and I dealt with both of those things in various amounts throughout my time as a child. Uh, I had a couple of stepdads when I was really young who got drunk and did bad stuff that you're not supposed to do to kids or women and so there's that aspect i did grow up with some of that and then uh the wes's complication is more about his dad not being around neither of his parents because his mom is dead um but uh yeah when i was in high school i grew up with that where my parents when i was staying at my dad's they both worked graveyard shifts 12 hours oh wow i never saw them i just came home and they would get up to go to work, and I'd say hi, bye, and then, and then you know, same thing the next day. So wow. it's definitely a different experience than what. And when you're a kid, you're like, "That sounds so rad." And then when it happens, you're like, "Oh, this kind of sucks. I'm alone all the time." <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a tough way to grow up, man. Again, I'm sorry I didn't mean to bring it back up, but no, no. I just based on the question that you asked me, excuse me, based on the answer that you had given and my experience from reading your book, I just kind of wanted to see if you know where those two roads crossed and if I brought anything up that was kind of lame. I apologize. No, no, I you know I wrote it in the book for that reason. Uh, okay. That book, uh, to tell you a really cool story, uh, somebody reached out to me, this is a couple of years ago, and told me that they took their nieces to a comic shop and they picked Finger Guns off the shelf because they saw Sadie on the cover and she looked like them. That's awesome. Which is already an awesome start. Yeah. And then, it, you know, we deal a lot with domestic violence in the book. There's even a warning in the back of the trade about it, you know, about with like the phone numbers to call and stuff if you're yeah. having any troubles and uh, apparently they were in an abusive home and they didn't know it until they read the book wow man uh-huh. got out and i just yeah i lost it and broke down in tears i like, could see oh. why that's very powerful <laughs> yeah and and again the theme lives. yeah the theme of helping people shows through in your work so i think that that's really wonderful Joe. Justin. Yeah, you're Thank a good you dude, so man. This, is, this has been a really, really interesting conversation. Again, I really had no idea where it was going to go, um, but I'm really glad we had you on the podcast. I really think you should go to Kickstarter. And the book is called Everything is Different Now. It is uh, Everything is Different Now. is a rage-filled collection of comic shorts written by Justin Richards. Again, if you're going to do an anthology, one-man anthology is the way to go, right? It seems, yeah, I've seen a number of people do it, and I'm going for it because I think it's a good idea. That's awesome. So I hate to do this to you because this is what the business is. Uh, so what you working on next, bro? <laughs> uh, so um, I have a number of anthologies coming in the works. One is is uh, in previews and stuff right now with uh, Mad Cave Studios. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, they did one called Lower Your Sights. So hey, we're in that too. Hey, we're, we're Lower Your hey. Sight Buds. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it sweet we share a, a credits page so nice everybody should go and buy that because it's a dope comic full of really awesome people um and then i'm working on 
uh, one that's in the works. It's going to launch real soon in like a month or two called uh, Sharp Wit in the Company of Women, which I'm working with uh, Extra Pages Press on that. I'm both in editorial and I'm doing a story. That's cool. Uh, as well. And then there's a couple of really cool big things that I can't tell you about. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were waiting for those. What? Are you saying you're two for two, bro? Is that what you're saying? You're gonna, you two for two? Well, I wouldn't say that because I've had a couple of rejections since Finger Guns, especially with the, the pandemic and stuff. Everybody was like, yeah, we're slowed way down. But I have had some really cool opportunities appear from people reaching out to me directly from publishers wow yeah. tell us what that's they're, like <laughs> it's, it's it's nuts to be honest do, and, do uh, those do those publishers do they rhyme with the words uh bd dude <laughs> is it that is it that big or maybe oh, carvel no no, no. Okay. Uh, not quite there, but uh, in a different way, like almost equally as big. Of That's properties. cool. It's That's really, awesome. Really neat. I I teased a tweet a while back about like I'm I am kind of somehow developing like a what do they call it like a uh, when you're like like a typecast like I'm getting typecast almost without even meaning to and without anybody else knowing independently about the other projects it's that's weird. awesome man i mean hey dude at least you're working that's that's awesome yeah i'm really excited about what's coming up all right well keep your eye on this space and where can we find you so we can read the tea leaves of your tweets bro that's the best places on the tweets uh at emo comic writer all right man we'll check nice. it out go to kickstarter everything is different now is the name of the book justin man thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me it's been a great time Justin Richards, they have a Kickstarter live right now. Kevin, what's that Kickstarter called? Everything is different now. And it's live right now on Kickstarter. So go to kickstarter.com and find that book and back that book and support that that book. That book. That Kickstarter project, all, all the Kickstarter projects. They were a very cool dude, man. We really appreciated them coming on. So that was awesome. Yeah, they were great. We had a great time. We had a great chat and, um, it was fun to learn all this neat stuff about Justin and they were telling us about um, how this was inspired by music and a large chunk of our conversation was about music. And it, this is a fun, this is a fun show, Bob. Yep. I'm, I'm glad it, to be here with you. Hey, me too, man. Uh, and that was neat that I didn't know that we were at that same smashing pumpkin show. That was really interesting. It's really funny, isn't it? I remember, I remember leaving that show going like, man, Billy Corgan can't sing. Is that what you did? Yeah, like I remember, like going, like, "Wow, this was a lot of fun, and it rocks." But man, his voice is just not the same. It was weird because I remember leaving the show going, "It's really weird that they played a Pantera cover." Yeah, I don't remember that. They played "Walk" at the very end. Oh, that's that cool. very strange. Very strange for them to play Pantera because I saw like... two shows at the ODU Fieldhouse. I saw Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots, and. Stone Temple Pilots was always really good live. Like, say what you want about them as a band. I know they had some goofy songs and, like, people made fun of them and stuff, but they were really, really good live. I never got to see Stone Temple Pilots live. I saw, I saw Stone Temple Pilots, I think, three times. Wow. And, and every time I saw them, I really enjoyed them. 
Um, Soundgarden was good live. I've seen oh, them I imagine that would have been really. Allison Chains was wonderful live. Uh, I've never. I always wanted to see them live, but I never got the chance. It's weird because um, their guitar player is about as tall as you are. He's a very tall, tall dude. Uh, uh, Jerry Cantrell. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Allison Chains was one of my favorite bands. In high Me school. too. Yeah. Me too. I lived with that Dirt album forever. Oh, so good. I lived with it. Like I didn't come out of my seat when I loved stuff. It would just. I had a a five disc or maybe it might have been three disc. I don't remember. Nice. It's so long ago. In my car. Oh, so that's they would just live in there, you know, and you could put yeah, the CDs yeah, yeah. in your car and you can have more than one egg. You put that little like it was like a cartridge in there. Yeah. yeah so yeah. then there would just be one CD that I always left in there. And like Liquid Swords did that and um Dirt did that. So now what was your favorite song on Dirt? Ooh, that's a good question, man. Um What's the third Rain When I Die? That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I really I really like Down in a Hole. Down in a Hole is a great song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, down in a hole is good stuff. I loved Alice. I even had the Alice in Chain shirt. That I did was, too. That was, um, <laughs> but I had the shirt that was um, Lane Staley's broken foot. Oh, the one the the X ray of it. Yeah, I had the X ray of his foot. Now, did you did you you never got to see them? You said I never saw them live. I saw him play with a broken foot. Oh, that's awesome. One of the shows. One of the shows. He he was fine. And the other show I saw him at, they were with Ozzy Osbourne and Sepultura at um, the Scope. Oh, that's cool. Norfolk. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And he was in a wheelchair, but his leg, his, he was in a cast. His yeah. Foot was, and he was singing from the wheelchair, but then he stood up when they did, like, um, what's the first song on Dirt? Them Bones. Them Bones. Yeah, they did. That song Bones. rips, dude. That's and a great he, opening track. His opening tracks go, that's a good one. I also liked Godsmack on that album because yeah. it was like, how did he get to do that, that with his voice? Oh, that band is awful. <laughs> that band sucks. It's awful. They're the worst. Yeah, that band's awful. Uh, Godsmack is terrible. Empty thoughts read on my head. I'm in the Scorpion King four because it's a movie. <laughs> I'm coming back again. I'm not the one who's so far away where I feel the snake bite into my veins. That bit sucks. <laughs> That man so much, and that guy's like five two. Yeah, so. Scully, I think his name is right. <laughs> Scully, his name something is like Scully. That. Something, something stupid, Bostony, like Scully or something stupid. <laughs> He's on the X Files. <laughs> if you're a fan of uh, Godsmack, I apologize, but not really because they suck. All right, well, we'll be back next week with uh, a lot more guests and a lot more fun, and I promise and a lot less Godsmack. <laughs> I promise we won't turn the end of the show into karaoke, '90s grunge karaoke. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com. <laughs>